the McIlvaney Weekly Commentary, covering monetary, economic, and geopolitical news events. I mean, if you go look at historically what happens to politicians when the market goes down big, the incumbents lose. So they know they've got a problem because the 2022 is coming up here. That's why he's better start talking taper and start doing it now. The Democrats will go out of their minds if he starts trying to do this in the summer. And by then, if inflation is out of control, they're going to be mad at him anyway. And he's going to take the hit anyway. So I think the best thing right now would be if Powell figured out that Biden's not likely to re-nominate him. He does what's right, not what's politically correct. Now here are Kevin Oreck and David McIlvaney. Welcome to the McIlvaney Weekly Commentary. I'm Kevin Oreck along with David McIlvaney. Well, about once a year, uh, sometimes more than that, we try to talk to our friend Bill King. And you and I were talking, we have access to an awful lot of information. Dave, you're reading all the time. You're reading a lot of stuff that I don't read. And that's why this program has been so helpful. But King is different. If I could only read one thing a day... To be honest with you, Bill King wraps things up just about the way I need them to be wrapped up. And so I'm looking forward to today's conversation with him. Our experience defines us. And I think if you look at Bill King's professional career, you can appreciate not only the sort of encyclopedic grasp of what the last 30, 40 years of financial market activity has been, because he's been there day in and day out, but also the games that get played. And as a trader, he's pragmatic enough to see that it's not just the numbers that matter. It's social trends, it's policy choices, it's the interaction of geopolitics and market pricing. Nothing is off limits when it comes to what can drive a price higher or lower. Well, and you love practitioners. You love practitioners because these are guys who get slapped when they do something wrong and they get rewarded when they do something right. You know, one of his favorite phrases is, how's that working out for you? But I think he's always asking himself that question all the time. And he's got an amazing memory so he can you know, bring that to his decision making and his recommendations. Yeah, it's an interesting world because, you know, I love theory and, you know, I love philosophy, but there is elegance when a theory is tested in real time. Right. There's a certain reality check when your P&L tells you if you're right or wrong, regardless of how well you sketched things out. Right. And if you don't make a mid-course correction and manage risk, you may be doomed. Sometimes you have to swallow your pride to do that, too, don't you? It's a healthy practice. And anybody who doesn't practice it finds themselves no longer in the business. What's on your mind? What are the key things that you think we got to cover? You know, not just this week in snapshot, but, you know, the trends in play. Well, this is, this is going to be in my letter on money. This is what I was writing about today's action. Because this is one of those strange days where everything went down. And when I say that, it also means Forex, because the dollar goes up. And you got to ask, well, normally what does that do? And usually, you know, if it's an economic concern, bonds usually go up. But today, you know, industrial commodities, you saw gold was down a little bit, all this stuff was going down in here. So part of this is probably China with this uh, Evergrande that people were concerned it could be their Lehman moment. It could be uh, the economic problems here. It could be United States leadership. It could be um, the debt ceiling theatrics that are going on. You know, and then, of course, you got the Fed FOMC meeting this week. Which is today, if you say what was going on, it could be a you know the Fed taper thing here, and at first the people will sell bonds, but then they'll buy them. You know we've seen that if you look over time, and go oh, the Fed's out of the market, they're not going to be monetizing bonds, so then you're going to sell them off. God knows how long that sell off goes, and then once the economy starts having trouble, then you'll see the move back to bonds. Same thing with gold. You know gold's going to go down if the Fed starts tapering. You've already seen that you know after it's going up in here, but then at some point you get economic concerns. You see you know. It, so it, 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 there's so many different cross-currents coming in right now. And then, then the other thing now is this, this unbelievable manipulation that's going on in the markets. It's absolutely just worse than ever. And, and part of it is because you've got all this retail order flow in there. And the wise guys know it, and they run in front. Before, they used to run in front of institutions. It was much harder because institutions, they trade by VWAP. They trade by computers. They're measured. They're careful. I mean, it, you see the same stuff every day. Bad news in Asia, you get whacked, and then they all buy them sometime in the first hour, and then they jam them up, and they go down. You know, then you get the European closed stuff, and then they fall around, and you get the noon balloon, and then whatever, and then at the end of the day, they're trying to mark them up. These aren't capital markets anywhere. As I put in, you know, in the letter, these are, this is a casino now. And this is blatant manipulation. This is trader games. This is 
And, and I, I'm an old option trader back from, you know, 79, 80, 81 when I was on the SIBO. But what's going on in the option market now is unfathomable. You have so many retail people in here buying these options. You know, there's, today there's, you know, there's trillions of dollars of notional value going, you know, going up. You know, I have this in the letter here, but I think it was last Friday, a week ago. I mean, I always talk about the Friday before expiration. You tend to have that rally in the afternoon because guys start loading up for the expiration week squeeze. I try to say that. I might forget saying it, but that goes on for years that's been going on. So last Friday, ahead of this week's expiration, listed options traded $2 trillion notional volume. That's enormous. Yeah. It's absolutely enormous. And 71% of the bottom, I think, was like expired you know, this week or it was expiring next week at the end of the month option type things. But that's incredible. You know, the reason they got rid of option trading is because of the way it contributed to the 29 crash. And that was nothing. There was just these little put-call shops. They were bucket shops. They were scamming people, you know, whatever. But there's, there's not much difference now. You buy options, they manipulate them up, manipulate them down, the big guys, squeeze them. You saw that Wednesday, the huge rally squeeze up, and then Thursday we get whacked on bad news in the afternoon. Yesterday afternoon, they were running stuff almost vertical. It was all manipulation. You, saw, you, you know, in the five, I think it was five strike prices, you had almost a million options traded in the SPY calls, September calls. That's ridiculous. But then at the same time, it put this, that's why you had a top in the market and it went down, because all those people were mostly long. And if someone's going to short them, they're, they're typically buying something against it. You should, the commer- not too many retail people are short sellers. Even your traders are usually not the sh- They usually sell the premium and buy something against it. They could buy S&P Future against it. It could be a basket of stocks they could do. You know, just go, they could actually probably buy that. The easiest thing is buy the SPY cash. You just go in there and you buy it on you know, the New York Stock Exchange and you sell the options against it. I mean, that's what options, I mean, option guys, by and large, are insurance companies. They're selling insurance, and then they hedge their risk. And that's how insurance companies make money over time. The only time is when you have something catastrophic comes in. <laughs> you get, then you've got to be careful. If, you, if, you haven't, if you're not hedged, whatever, then you get hit as an option. But the, the real pros sell option premium, especially now, because it's just so enormous. And then they hedge against it with the underlying vehicle for the most part. And that, that's creating unbelievable dynamics in the market. I mean, even the financial media picked it up a week or two ago, how they, you know, they, you're getting these early in the week rallies in option week, you know, for Friday before or whatever, and then all of a sudden near the end of the week, everybody's trying to get out, which was today. You know, just, you couldn't get any rallies going. They tried a couple times. You just couldn't get it going because there's too many guys, too many retail people along these options. Now, if you have a few big whales and they're acting in concert, they'll squeeze people or whatever. But when you have hundreds of thousands of traders all in their own self-interest, you can't control it. So they start moving for the exits. You know, you can't call your buddy up and go, hey, don't go selling us. Let's try to squeeze it higher, which is what Wall Street does. You call your buddies, you know, whatever you try to, you know, whatever. You can't do that when you got all these retail traders and there's no way to control them. They think this is nice and fun, but history is very, very clear. When you have the panic to get out, it always goes down faster and more violent and, and more steep than when you go up. And that's irrefutable history. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the duration of this move in equities has has been one for the record books. And, you know, the kind of volumes that we're seeing, the kind of activity that we're seeing is pretty typical of what you might call late cycle stuff. It's as if people have forgotten what risk looks like, what the downside looks like, how to find the exit if they need to. On the other hand, you know, valuations, maybe you can speak to valuations. They're high. Who says they can't go a lot higher? I mean, insanity is not, you know, a dot on a line. It's a whole range. Insanity began some time ago and could continue forward. What about duration and valuations? Well, there isn't any. Everything's overvalued because the money's been so cheap for so long. This isn't just the last few years cheap. We're talking how many decades of cheap money. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem here. Everything's over. Real estate, the only thing I would you can make an argument for is gold isn't overvalued because you can value it versus... Your traditional versus Dow Jones Industrial Average versus the S&P. The other thing is, if you buy the argument gold is money, then you have to you value it versus money. Money supply, value it against cash and you know in circulation. You can value it against credit. You can value it against debt because people don't understand debt is money in the United States system. That's what the Fed is. The debt becomes money. That's what makes the street go around is collateralizing debt, and the Fed buys it and puts money in the system. I mean, what did they do today? Did you how absurd it is? I think the Fed today's reverse repo is $1.28 trillion. That means there's $1.28 trillion out there, and I think it was 79 counterparties, in money markets and on the street and hedge funds that they can't do anything with. They don't know what to do with it. So they're throwing it back at the Fed to get a, you know, a few basis points. That's the minimum amount of excess reserves in the system. 
That's the minimum. That's absurd. That's absurd. To a and nobody wants to call the Fed on it because they're sacred. Because they're, for decades, they've been doing the heavy lifting to bail out the politicians. So the politicians, the administrations, and the Congress doesn't have to make tough decisions. Just let the Fed paper over it. But I think these guys all got too clever here with the COVID shutdowns. And I think that's what's looming out there, that they don't quite understand what they did here. The thing I've been trying to tell people is if you go back and you look, and you can even go back to 1982 here when and everything was really going to hell in a handbasket because Volcker was raising rates. It wasn't cutting reserves. I mean, he was slowing reserves. You go back and everybody goes, oh, he took raw reserves out of the system. No, he didn't. He just slowed the reserves. He said, no, I'm just slowing this down. And uh, well, interest rates, we're not targeting interest rates. They're going to go where we're going to go because that's how we're going to kill the inflation. So when everything got really ugly in 82, and Brazil and Mexico called up and said, we're going to default, they pumped the money. And if you go back up to that, when the Hunts almost took down the system in March of 1980 with the silver, they pumped the money. Volcker pumped the money in there for... Oh, probably until about June, if I'm not mistaken, in there. And that's what unleashed, you know, the rest of the year. Oil went to new high by, I think, peaked in November. You know, and the stocks went berserk up there. But he, they weren't paying attention because he started taking the money out in the, in the fall again. And that's why, you know, in 81, you got, it was really ugly. But that was, you know, we'll pump money. And then 84, the Continental Bank went down. We bail them out. You, had, and, and, you know, Maryland and Ohio savings and loans collapsed. Bevel Bresler Municipal House almost took Chase down. And everything, well, we'll pump money. So then you can fast forward, and you go to 87 crash. What do you do? You pump money like crazy. You go to 89 when the, you know, when the Japanese quit lending, and the United and all those were, were buying all the air stocks. They had the mini crash there. What would we do? Pump money. 91, 92, when you know, the Texas banks had gone down, and the New York money centers, you know, names you don't hear anymore, Bankers Trust, Manny Haney, Chemical Bank, you know, was Chase, you know, et cetera. They were absorbing all the banks. Well, they were still all of a sudden, all that bad assets they had were starting to take them down. So... 91 there when we had that recession and, you know, they, what they do to get out to save Citibank and Chase and bank, actually it was Bank of New England, right, and pump money. You go to Mexico, what we do, pump money. This could go all the way, you know, keep going all the way up. The long-term capital market, LTCM, went down, pump money. Russia's going to bail up, pump money. And people forget that's why you had the bubble in 90, you know, this stuff always hitting the fan in 97 and 98. 97 was, of course, the, uh, the Asian Tigers, or the Asian Contagion, pump money. Now, we get up in, you know, we go here, 9-11, pump money in the system, just load it up. Then you had the, you know, they, they still were worried about depression, bring in Ben Bernanke, we'll run the housing bubble, we'll pump money. 2008, pump money. Now, the problem they had is they think, well, whether it was to get Donald Trump or not, we're going to run the COVID. This was not an accident. There was a purpose for shutting down. You did not have to shut down the way they shut down. Sweden didn't do it, they did fine. That's a different argument, I guess. But you didn't have to do this. But the problem is, after all these years, after almost 40 years of every time we had a crisis, we're just going to pump enormous amount of money, stock markets, assets will inflate, and we're going to go to the moon. The problem these idiots didn't think through. Every one of those, and the reason why I understood this was in 1987, when everybody was worried about depression, I was talking to Al Sindlinger, who had been around in the depression, was one of the foremost, the foremost pollster. He's the guy who put me on to the birth death model and all these games that the government was doing with CPI and whatever. Very, I mean, very insightful guy. He had data going back to the mid-30s when he was starting business. He was put in business by Herbert Hoover and Harry Luce, Henry Luce. That household liquidity was strong. Household income was strong. Now, people look at income, but they don't look at household liquidity. If you lose your job and you got money in the bank, it's, you're not as bad off. And he said, this is a Wall Street accident. That's always, and we're not going to have a depression. It was a great call. And that's what dawned on me. All these other crises we've had up to the COVID shutdown was Wall Street problems, over-speculation of some kind, over-leveraging debt, or just guys got over-leveraged, and you threw money at it. What these idiots did was, we're going to scuttle the economy, whether it was so we could do mail-in votes or give it a trip, whatever, or we can take control, we can make you wear, whatever it was, whatever the reason, there was no reason to scuttle this stuff. But the bet was, we'll just turn around and throw money at it. But the problem was, it wasn't a financial problem. They killed the economy. Everything else up to this was not an economic problem. It was a financial problem. And what they didn't think is we, were, we put people out of business. They're not coming back. Some may reopen. I'm sure you see your restaurants were here forever. Nope, we're not coming. We're gone. Businesses, we're gone. Some of this do with the age, baby boomers. Others are like, I'm not putting up with the aggravation. I can't make a go. I can't hire people. And the other side is you start throwing money at people not to work. 
So now we got over 10 million job openings, and people are just not working. Right now, we're watching restaurants. You, you know, you, they're closing up. You call, you go in, you complain. You know, this is supposed to be ready. We're an hour late on delivery. And you're getting, I mean, hey, I came in as an emergency. I'm not even supposed to be here. You see this. You see the supply surge. People, this is what they did. That's why inflation and all stuff's going berserk. That's where these guys screwed up, and they screwed themselves. They killed the economy, and they changed behavior of people, and they put people out of business. You know how it is to build a business. Again, this isn't some hedge fund. Oh, we're insolvent. They'll throw money at us. Okay, we're fine. You know, we had a, we had a down quarter or two. You know, Goldman Sachs were, oh, yeah, we, we lost uh, 20 30%. But, oh, you know what? We're, all of a sudden, we'll go to a new, they'll throw so much money at us, we'll just lever up, and we'll make so much more money than we ever did in the past. You don't do that with a real economy. You put them out of business. You put hairdressers out, you put shoe people, put small man if a tool and die, put them out of business. They're not coming back. A lot of them aren't coming back. You just don't throw money at them. That's what's lurking out here. And uh, we'll see how it plays out here. That's why they want to throw $3.5 trillion in the market here, in this whatever, the goodie bag. And besides the debt issue, which is another total issue in here, that's the problem they've had here. They kill the economy. And any, if you want to throw stuff in here, you're going to keep getting inflation. You've destroyed your supply chains. You've destroyed businesses. You've destroyed production, and you've also created disincentives to work. You know, that's what Bill Clinton, they, everybody loved him because he said, no, we're not we're ending the welfare, we're breaking down on uh, crime, and blah, 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 blah. Now you went the other day, oh, this was great. That was great. Bill Clinton was great. He did all this. Now you're going the other way. And we, the reckoning, this, this isn't financial where you can pop right up, pop right down. It grinds. And the economy is grinding, and you can read it, and you read all these different surveys, you read it in sentiment, you read it in the PMIs, the responses from the business people, they can't get people to work. My gosh, somebody sent me uh, an article from a paper up in Minnesota, a guy who lives up in upper Wisconsin, almost near Lake Superior, and it's a, I can't remember the firm, uh, but they were advertising, I, I hit this in a letter a few weeks ago, $50,000 bonus to plumbers to come and work with them. I mean, I see now when I try to get people out, I'm trying to get my chimney pissed, it's going on three months. Can't pick up a couple holes in the chimney, birds picked in it. Trying to change windows, we booked in June, and we, they're hoping to get here in October, November. That guy looking at our grass yesterday, he's telling us they can't get fences. People want to put pools up, you have to put the fence, just can't get the crews out. It's incredible. Everybody you talk can't get them. We talked to people in May about just doing some, uh, some landscaper, does some businesses or whatever. Just showed up yesterday. And it's his friend, friend of my wife. Just a book. You can't get to anything until the fall. I have a tree, a big willow. Looks like it's getting ready to fall over. I can't get to it until sometime in the fall. That's how booked they are. So what do you do? You raise your prices. And people just start to paying up to get the service. That's the real economy. This isn't hedge funds. This isn't Goldman Sachs and, and J.P. Morgan's uh, prop desk. It's the real economy out there. And they've got problems in it. And it's going to play in the 2022 election. That's the other thing going on here. And you know, elections are always important. But this one, they're scared to death. Because typically when a new administration comes in, changes power, the party changes, the White House changes party, they get killed in the midterms. And they do. And, and I think the, uh, they only have a, a Democrat of a seven-seat majority. Yeah, typically you're going to lose somewhere between 20 and 40. And now you're bracing for 30 to 50 because Biden's approval ratings are, are in the toilet. And you have to ask yourself, you know, president run, ratings can go up or down. What's Biden? Everybody knows he's been around 40 years. This isn't, well, we, we, you know, we don't like the first impressions. What's he going to do? Right. How's he, what's he going to do foreign policy? going to start a war? He's going to go invade Iraq again? What's he going to do to boost his approval rating? The only reason he's up here to have approval rating because it was, thank God Trump's not in here. Now they're going, oh my God, look what we did here. And that's a problem. And then that, what that problem feeds is, Republicans take over? What do you think they're going to do? All these investigations, the January 6th investigation, you're going to have a real one. And it's going to be, what role did Pelosi play in January 6th? What role did the FBI play by putting informants in there to stir up people. What does Hunter Biden do? What did Joe Biden do? Why is Joe Biden giving all this stuff to China? Why is Milley giving stuff to China, General Milley? Why are they, they'll be saying, no, China's not our problem. And then we, all the money that uh, China gave to Hunter Biden. You don't think the Republicans? That's why this thing's going to get nasty next year. These insiders are fighting for their lives because you, the Republicans, think, and it's before you think, well, when you had that, the rhinos in there like Paul Ryan and even McCarthy in there now. The problem is, and people say, oh, you know, McCarthy. Well, McCarthy used to be the go-along to get along Republican. But you can see he's, he's reluctantly is changing his tune because it could be the same thing to happen Pelosi. In the uh, last election cycle, actually the one before that, in 2018 when Trump lost, they ran, the moderate Democrats were running, we don't like Pelosi. I mean, she had a horrible approval raising nationally. We're not going to vote for Pelosi, we're not going to vote for Pelosi, she's out. They actually were running on that because nobody wanted her near Speaker of the House. 
So what happens? They come in. Pelosi cuts a deal with all those leftists. Got a block. She stayed in there. And the reason she stayed there because she controls all the money coming out of, out of the Silicon Valley. She controls that West Coast money. But that was the bargain. Now, McCarthy's going to have the other problem. You see the people here, the 10 people sort of voted to impeach Trump. They're, how many have retired? You're seeing others, Lynn Cheney, these guys, they're getting primaried. You're seeing a number of retirements already in here. The new people coming in, especially the women, the women coming in, the Republican women coming in have much more fortitude, to say something polite, than the men have. You see, you know, the Green, you see a Boebert, you see some of these others, even Stefanczyk. And there's something like 150 women going to run this time in the GOP, this cycle. And they're coming in, and they know you have to clean out this swamp. That's Trump's biggest mistake. He never cleaned out the swamp. He embraced it. He hired the swamp. And they got him. And they, the, anybody with a half a brain of politics knows we got to do something about generals that rip up the Constitution, work against the president, undermine the president, or Department of Justice, or FBI that doesn't protect teenage girls that are being abused, but they're busy trying to frame Americans for some crime or some kidnapping plot. I mean, it, this is going to be gruesome, and they know it. And especially if the Republicans take that, and they should probably take the Senate thing because you're at 50-50, what do you think they're going to do to Biden for the next two years? What kind of agenda do you think is going to get passed? Because Biden already went far left because that's where the people that handle him are. They're far left. That's why anybody that pays attention... Biden has always bragged, I'm a centrist. He was the Bill Clinton. We're the centrist. We're for law and order. We're for the economy. We're for, you know, the union, whatever. And then he went wacko left. There's no reason for that. Unless, you know, everybody's suppositions are correct about who's really running this thing. So what's he going to do as president for the year? So there's some real tough sledding going to come up here very shortly. You know, Fed might, you know, they're going to do their taper talk. We'll see what it is, how, how bold it is. The other thing that might be going on here is, you, I don't know if you said the report here today, that a week or so ago you saw that the, the two Fed presidents were trading stocks anyway so we've been trading s&ps kaplan right. from uh, dallas and uh, rosengren there from boston were which is ridiculous because we know nancy pelosi's husband's made tens of millions of dollars trading options so uh, but they exempt themselves so now the fed's got this problem well, it comes out today that powell owned municipal bonds that the fed was buying uh, similar types of bonds that you know when the COVID panic when they were buying stuff so now you have to voice, say to yourself, Powell's done everything he can for a year. He's done everything to go over there and uh, wash Joe Biden's back and give him a rub down to get renominated. He went all the social justice warrior, all the virtual signaling, the climate, you name it, he's done it so he could get renominated. This might throw the, the uh, Powell out. Now, I don't think that was a factor in the market today. As you see, they went straight down all day. You had one, you know, noon you had a little bit of a rally in there, and that was it. And today was expiration. And on futures and options, it's a huge expiration. And I don't know if this was part of the calculus here that how can you reappoint this guy now when everybody knows, and it's been leaked out, that the Obama people want Lael Collins. She's a big Obama buddy. She's donated money to him. She's far left. And Powell did everything he can sucking up to the left to get renominated. But if he blows himself up now and the Obama people tell Joe, no, Joe, it's going to be, you know, Lael Brainerd here is going to, it's going to be your new uh, fetcher. And plus, she's a woman. And that, you know, that, with, you got the midterms coming up here. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays with the markets, but also it's how that plays internationally. So there's a lot of rubber uh, starting to hit the road here. And once, you know, you, you got the, you're trying to do the debt ceiling, you're doing this stuff, and, you know, they're going to do all this, going to jerk around for the next couple of weeks with that, and, and whatever you're going to do with the spending bills and how that ends up. And then all of a sudden you're into the holidays and you have recess. And you know what happens then when you come back? You're in the election cycle. These guys are out raising money and campaigning. And this is going to be one of the most bitter, hard-fought midterms because a lot of people are going to be in real big trouble. If the Republicans take the House and you go after January 6th, you start releasing the 14,000 uh, hours of video. You start making the FBI come in and talk about who they were partnering with to foment trouble to get people to storm the Capitol. What were they doing with uh, Whitmer? I mean, the guy that was the lead FBI guy got, already got tossed. And what was Hunter Biden doing? What did you guys do with that, with his uh, you know, PC? On and on and on. And the difference now is, in the past you'd say, well, the Republicans are going to go along, get along. The people coming in are firebrands. And you got Jimmy Jordan, you got these other guys in here. And they understand you better go hard at these. And the people, the Republicans want that. The only reason they voted for Trump is they wanted somebody to go after these guys. They don't want George Bush or any of those Bush-like kind of people in there. The Lindsey Grahams, the Romneys, you know, the Murkowskis, the Collins. And that's the Republican Party in the past, it's, but it's changing. And that's, that's what's going to be interesting here. So, uh, boy, it's going to, I think that just the way you look ahead there, it's going to be real, real tough. That's why they're fighting so hard to jam through this $3.5 trillion, 
the other bill, the the uh, infrastructure, the voting by mail bills, because they know this is going to be really tough. The odds are they're going to lose and lose big in the House and lose small in the Senate. All you have to do is lose one seat to lose it. And then what do you do? You pounded on Trump for four years, and you got Biden in here who's got a lot more baggage and dirt than Trump, and including his family. What are you going to do here for the two years into the big election of 2024? I will bet if that happens, you can see Manchin switch to Republican. You might even see, see what's her name, Sienna or Sienna or whatever her name down in, in Arizona, another one who's been a moderate now and holding up against the uh, $3.5 trillion uh, goodie bill here. So this is going to be a real volatile year politically in here. And God help us if you start seeing terrorist attacks against U.S. interests, let alone if it's on U.S. soil after what, you know, with the Afghanistan. So this is going to be a real challenging year coming up politically. And if it is politically, it tends to be for the economy, too. Well, so we've also got our debt issue. Plus, you mentioned Everground earlier, which is sort of tip of the iceberg in terms of, you know, you don't want to know what's underneath in the Chinese credit markets. And, you know, there's real issues there, too. See, Jesse, every time you have these problems on Wall Street, they throw numbers out, but they don't know until they get in there and start unpeeling this stuff. Until they got in there, they had no idea how levered Lehman was. And it's the same thing. They're saying, well, this is $300 billion worth of debt here forever. But we, they don't, we don't know. We don't know all the tentacles and where it goes and on and on and on. And, you know, that's the problem. Everything is so levered. There's so many derivatives. There's so much off-book nonsense going on. You know, off-balance sheet positions, carrying repoing stuff so you don't show it at the end. I mean, that's what Re- Lima was doing. They kept offloading stuff at the end of the month so they didn't have to report it. I mean, that, that's what happens. And every time we get worse and worse crises because the elites and the establishment get bailed out and they don't learn any lessons. In fact, they go hard the other way going, my God, look at how much money we're making. And they bail us out. And as I said, it's the financial terrorism card. If you don't bail us out, we take down the system. If you don't let us trade the... Uh, commodities and options and speculate and lever us to the teeth, we'll take down the system. Somebody sometime is going to be an Andrew Jackson, a real Andrew Jackson, not a fake one like Trump, and come in there and go, you know what? We're going to do what's best for the real people. We're going to take a hit, but we're going to clean you guys out, and we're not going to ever be holding to you guys again. And that's going to be out there someday. I don't know. I don't see any who was out there doing it. I think that's why they're afraid of DeSantis, because he acts like a leader, and he acts like he does his own thinking, and he's not beholden to people. And that's why they're already taking shots at him. They're scared to death of him. Really and of course, Jackson, you know, we're starting to see the first up. indictment here showed up from Durham. And it runs right on Hillary's lap. It's her lawyer, Sussman. And everybody, they try to downplay the uh, indictment. But if you read what's in there, they've got tech companies talking about how we can make this thing look like Trump was communicating with the Russians. But we've got to be careful. We get caught because we're giving away our secrets. We, and they, they start naming reporters that we can go to and spread these BS stories so we can get this going. It's all conspiracy. And, of course, the media is staying away from it because they're involved. You know, if the rumors are right, the Durham's going to indict people that aren't politicians or in that political apparatus. That means these reporters. That means it could, be, it could mean the guys at GPS or, the, or, or these other guys who were, were running around with the media conspiring. Then what happens? What does that do in Washington? What does that do in Congress? If anybody knows, that slows down because everybody's trying to figure out how to stay out of jail. And they're calling in all the favors, so for you know, all your bills and whatever. So that's to me, is, you know, the... It's going to be interesting as we proceed for the next year, and you're in an election cycle here with all these, I don't even want to call them potholes or anything. These things are cataclysmic events sitting out here. Any one could be horrible, but I've never seen so many on the horizon or in the landscape as you do right now. So the best thing here is to be careful. Be careful. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the news media won't pick up on a lot of things. So, you know, much of, of what you've described, you know, potholes, you could drive a, a VW bug into them. And yet, you know, with a very minute attention span by the general public and, and a news cycle which says, what are you talking about? I don't see what you're talking about. Nothing happened here. Move along. Yep. How does that define 2020 politics unless there's sort of an underlying frustration that gets expressed? And, and this comes back to what you're saying in terms of the economics are what people are feeling. And if there's a point of frustration, it doesn't matter what's in the news cycle. It matters what people are experiencing. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, and you know, the country's mad. You see it in the polling and they're upset. And, you know, I call this the stock market is part of the um, bread and circuses that they're giving you for entertainment. There's never been more people speculating and you see it in these enormous option volumes. There's never been this much speculation. 
and it's beyond the past. Some of it's pastime. Some of it's realizing the video game generation. The last 20, 30 years, the guys playing video games said, hey, you know what? This is a video game. I get on my phone, and I'm done playing a video game, but I can make money doing this. This is even better than the video poker craze that went around 15, 20 years ago. These guys were so conditioned, their behavior, to do this, to sit there while you're at work or in a meeting and pick up your cell phone, see a headline, and then just start trading some options or trying one of these meme stocks. I mean, it's unbelievable. They have no idea what the fundamentals are or what's really going on. Let's shift to currencies because it seems like with underlying debt issues and a tremendous amount of speculation, as you say, indications of speculation showing up, whether it's the non-fungible tokens or your options trades or what have you, it seems like real problems are going to show themselves, maybe in subtle ways, maybe in not so subtle ways, if we're watching the RMB, if we're watching the euro, if we're watching the dollar. What are you watching for in the currency markets? Well, unfortunately... Right now, it's hard to see anything because everything's so rigged. You know, the ECB, what they're doing, the euro, you know, Japan with the end, every, all the, at least central banks are pumping money. And so, you're, you know, the, I hate to say there's relative stability. I would think maybe the one to watch is, is China because of the debt. You know, that, that situation is just so bad. And if, and if, they, if that starts tumbling, what do they do? Well, if, if it really starts falling apart, the one's going to go down. And it's going to go down a lot because they're going to have to start printing money even more than they have. And if that happens, then, you know, what happens to Japan and Germany and Europe? It's just United States. Put it this way. If you had the Asian contagion, because the Asian currencies were starting to collapse, right? in, 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 you know, the blaming uh, Soros and others there for collapsing those, and that was almost taking down, what it won't. Those guys didn't have much of that, in all honesty. You know, those Asian tigers were, were flush with cash in, in, in uh, current accounts. But China... What happens if, if you have that going there? My gosh, you can't. There, you, there's just no way to know where that goes and how far. Because you don't know how. The thing we don't know also is, is foreign fixed investment. All these big companies here that have been kissing China's keister for, since the mid 90s to get in there. You know, we don't know what their exposure is. They don't know, I'm sure. And you just don't know what China's going to do. Is China going to say, oh, we, we've got these rules of yours and how we take care of people? Or are they just going to say, no, we're going to write the rules as we go along? And that's what they're going to do. There's no, take me to court, sue me. <laughs> Go ahead, take me to, uh, you know, Manhattan Superior Court for your, try to sue me for your assets. Go ahead. So there's no telling. So I would, yeah, if you want to watch the currencies right now, you got to, it's, it's China. Because China's the one that could really, really, you know, they're the elephant there that could really up, upset the apple cart really big here. We're watching Evergrande. We're watching a couple of other companies. Looks like the wealth management, uh, the asset management companies, you know, escaped by the skin of their teeth with uh, government stepping in and, and, and helping them out. What's to keep the Chinese from continuing as we've just thrown money at things? You know, we, we went through, you know, your litany of you know, 1982, 1984, 1987, 1989, 1991, 92. Why don't we do the same thing in China? You know, we've got a bubble. It's pretty phenomenal what they've done with, with real estate development. Yeah, probably in the first inning of real trouble there, but throw money at it. Throw money at it. It seems to work every time. They've been trying to do that, but if you notice, they they really were actually going the other way. They've started for the last few months arresting and pounding on their uh, billionaires, right? Right. You've watched that whole thing. It's cracking down. Remember, we saw all these. We're cracking down on Game Stocks. We're cracking down on these guys. We're cracking down on Jack Ma. We're cracking down on on Tencent. They're doing a slow rolling crackdown, and the reason they're doing that. And they started pulling the money out of these guys before. And I remember the, they tried to get their money out of, out of some of the real estate because they saw it coming. And, you know, it's just like the COVID. They do all their stuff before you, and everybody else knows what's going on. And there's a reason that it, there was an article out, and I think I had in a letter there, but having worked <clears throat> with two of the biggest Japanese firms, actually the first biggest and third biggest in the 80s, they will go along and they can do all this nonsense until until food inflation shows up. Because food inflation causes riots and political turmoil. And then the reason Japan and China, Korea and Indonesia and these other Asian countries have to be mercantilist and export driven because they, their populations are so huge they can't pay for it. And they don't have enough raw materials. They have to import food products and raw materials. And when the food inflation goes, then you get riots and political turmoil. That's the problem. 
So like, you can print it's the money. That's fine when you, you know you have low inflation and uh, soybean prices are low and pork prices are low and uh, you know everything's okay. And you have nice supply chains, uh, you know, so you can import. You know, the U.S. meat packers can send you a lot of chicken and pork if you guys don't have it. But when that's the problem, those populations are in India. I'm sorry, that's the other one in there. Asian populations are so great. Their number one problem is food and feeding their population. If you don't, then you have riots and turmoil and whatever. So that's what Japan would always weaken the yen until the food inflation showed up. Then they would strengthen it because by strengthening the yen, they lowered the, the cost of the the food imports. To get to your point, they've already they've gone through that calculation. You know, they they they're dealing with the inflation. They know it. So that's the thing that kind of checkmates them is food inflation. Yeah, they can't throw a ton of money at it. And for Japan, it's oil. Because they, you know, they have to import what ninety eight percent of their oil or something like that. So that's when when Japan will let the uh, yen appreciate is when inflation, food and energy inflation gets to the point where it can cause political turmoil. It seems to me, sort of in their hip pocket, is the ability to distract and you know, even when people are feeling the pain and perhaps want to hit the streets with some expression of of anger, angst. Taiwan's just across that little stretch of water, and represents it. A great way to you know distract the masses, right? And and you had North Korea all of a sudden shooting missiles and, and enriching uranium, or whatever. And they used to do that when Bill Clinton, where every time they couldn't feed their population, they'd shoot some missiles, rattle saber, and then we'd send them some grains and food products and water. Absolutely. I mean, what if this is in the next two years that we've got issues with China scapegoating, and it's really easy just to figure out that the Taiwanese nationals are the ones who've caused this problem or that problem or however it gets played. Who knows how it gets advertised or PR'd to death. But what do we do? What is <laughs> the, the great the great leaders uh, in Washington, D.C., how do we respond? It seems like the next two years is a little dicey. The people running Biden write a speech for him and he goes and reads it off of a teleprompter and he takes no questions, walks away. That's what he does. What do you do about Afghanistan? What are they doing about the COVID? What about, I mean, whatever. What's he doing about his bills? His, you know, the infrastructure, the different plans. They come out, you know, they, they give you the, you know, they give you the happy talk or whatever. They, you know, they, they tell you their talking points and they walk away. Who's in charge? You know, even Trump didn't say, never say. Nobody else who's in charge of the White House. It's probably Susan Rice. I mean, that's Tony Blinken was her assistant. This other guy is Jake Sullivan, who was who's involved with this Alpha Bank uh, hoax. He's in there. I mean, it's, it's, none of these are Biden's people. These are, these are either Clinton or Obama's people that he surrounded himself with. And you have to say, why? The guy's been in here. It's not like he's a new guy. It wasn't like he's Trump came in. He had nobody or whatever. He brings in Goldman Sachs people and people that despise him and hated him. He surrounded himself with. And all he did was leak to the media and undermine him. Biden's been in Washington, D.C. for over four, almost 50 years, right? 40-some years. He doesn't have people around him. Of course, you know, he, he said the smartest guy he knows is his son, Hunter. So you know, maybe he doesn't. But that, that's telling. The guy's been a, a, a swamp monster, not a creature, for going on five decades. And he's, and he's got all these people around him are not his people. They're Obama's people and they're Clinton's people. So he said, what are you going to do? Who knows? Who knows? And that's the other thing. You know, everybody's thinking about how long are they going to keep Joe in there? You, you hear the rumors, you see the rumors. But the only the reason they haven't pulled the plug on him so far is probably because Kamala Harris is there. <laughs> She's more unlikable than Joe. You know, that's what I'm saying here, was you're going forward. Forever what you want to think about the economy or, or the financial, that's fine. But when you look out there politically, and they did this to themselves, in, in the zest to get Trump, they destroyed the Constitution. They said, no matter what we do, whether it's Milley undermining the problem, whatever you do to get Trump, whether it's unlawful, immoral, unethical, or unconstitutional, you could do it if it's to get Trump. That's what's out there. And it's in the media, it's everywhere. And they put that out there for four years. So what, how do you how do you rein that back in now? What's the rule of law? You know, how does this all play? I mean, there's some really big big questions here, but that's why you got to keep running the stock market so people don't pay attention. Again, once the bread and circuses end, then you got a problem. So I think it's going to be a real tricky year. Everybody knows it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be tricky because, as you said, in the past all you do is throw money at it. But you're at the point now where when the inflation shows up, that's the end game. Because all you do is right now, people, the sentiment is gone. And then when you read it, it's because of inflation. The average guy's getting killed in inflation. Everybody knows CPI is bogus. Nobody pays attention to CPI anymore except Wall Street because they want to trade it. And they want to fool you or the politicians. When you've got people in the business telling you that rents are 
up 10 to 14% year over year. And the BLS says, no, 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 you guys don't know what you're talking about. It's 2.9. We did it. We, we called 50,000 people. And the guy goes, well, you know, we're, our database is 13 million properties. No, no, no. Yeah, but these 50,000 people we called up, uh, they know what the rent uh, inflation is. That's what you're dealing with. How absurd is that? So if it's dependent on bread and circuses continuing, you know, not only is 2022 consequential from a political perspective, but keeping the stock market moving in the quote-unquote right direction is also pretty critical. So is there anything that you see in terms of divergences or breadth or, you know, just things that you would say, it's not working? But what happens is, if you've noticed over the last few years, you get really bad divergences in, in, in breadth. And in the past, you see, it was the FANG stocks, right? The big Uber tax, the stocks, the public wants to you know, trade or they're in the sexy stocks. And then all of a sudden, you, those would correct, they would go down. And then something happens, and money gets thrown in. And then all of a sudden, we go up again, and the breath improves. And that's where, you know, breath was horrible for most summer, and then it's improved recently in here. And, but as you said, what's tricky about this, that happens a lot of times in the late cycle. When the institutions go, I can't buy this crap that's overvalued, I'm going to buy the laggards. I'm going to buy some of this other stuff here. And all of a sudden, that improves the breath. So that's a little bit tricky in here, but yeah, everything's overvalued just because of all the easy money. There's nowhere to hide. You, what you got to do is you got to try to figure out where's the safest place to hide out. You know, that's all you, you're doing here. You got to be safe. And to me, it's some combination of liquidity, some kind of cash and cash equivalents, and a hedge against that. You know, whether it's you know gold or silver or whatever, or you know whatever, some kind of hard asset against your cash equivalents. And you got to hang out, wait, and watch. Yeah, we're back to the asset management side of our business. We're back to raising cash again done that multiple weeks in a row and it just it's risks are elevated reward i mean it's 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 <laughs> if you're willing to play the game uh, it sure feels like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller though you said the key word about game it is you know it's whether this is fantasy football or whatever it's a fantasy out here this is a difficult environment here because it's you go back and you talk to professional traders and they go yeah, this is absolutely absurd it's ridiculous but i got i you know, everything, my, all my experience, all my charts, my models, ultimately, I got to be long. Because, it, you know, it's, I think Kane said this, you know, 80, 90 years ago. If you want to be in the stocks, don't think about what you like. It's a beauty contest. Don't pick, pick who you think is the most beautiful. Look at the other judges and think who they think is most beautiful. And that's what you're doing here. And that's what the smart guys do. They hate it. They, they, they hate what's going on here, but they got to play it. They get marked by performance. So they're out there going, oh, this is really not good news. It's bad for the economy. But you know what? I think all these uh, retail guys are going to be buying stuff, so I buy too. That's what's going on. That's what this is. Because you learn, no matter how stupid it is, if you're a trader or you're a professional investor, you got to go with the trend. By definition, you have to be with the trend or you get killed and you lose your job and you lose your money. The trend is your friend. That is the most absolute truism in investing and trading. And it doesn't matter how, like you said, it doesn't matter how irrational it is and you don't know how long it lasts. But when it is it gets in these irrational parts, you got to have some Warren Buffett in you where you say, I don't care. I'm not playing it. I don't need to play it. I don't care how far it goes or how what's going. I sleep at night and I'm not going to get caught when it, when the inevitable bus comes because it will come. Cash equivalents and a hedge on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and hang simple. on, wait. Wait and see where this goes because this is going to be tricky. Why are you still hanging out in Chicago? Because my grandkids and kids yeah. are here. That's why. Otherwise, I'd be gone. So just I was babysitting with the one grandkid. Then the other two were just over a little while ago coming home from school. That's during the next town over. That's why. <laughs> that makes sense. But it's, I mean, you might be careful. Biden might, his, his next military deployment might be to the larger Chicagoland area. Yeah, it's, well, I'm it's, not it's saying getting worse than Iraq. I suburbs, uh, you know, away from that. But there's no reason to be in the cities. My uh, daughter-in-law worked in the scene and she finally got a job out in the suburban area. You know, they, they, people don't want to. So they, they, when they're young, they want to be down there. Of course, they're leaving now, too. But as soon as they, you know, they get into the 30s, they get married, they get kids, and they're out. Yeah, so that's the, the big thing here is, you know, don't get caught up in the hoopla. Be safe. Be smart. You know, just pay attention. And just realize there are enormous a number of moving parts out there. And I can see with my letter. You know, usually it take me like two pages, three pages to get all this stuff going on in a day or two. Now, I mean, I struggle to get it all in six pages. And on the weekends, I struggled to get it into eight pages. And when I started, it was like a one-page letter. <laughs> it was 20-some years ago. Uh, 30 years ago, I'm sorry. 30-some years ago. But that's how many, there's just so many things going on here, and you've got to keep track of them because any one of them just goes, bam. But, yeah, just got to stay, stay alert. Don't buy the garbage, the headlines. Do, do some research. You know, the one thing is much easier now because of the Internet and, and the search engines. You can go in there and, and look and search and do some uh, research here and see what's really going on. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing what's on your mind. Uh, the analysis is complex. There's, there is a lot going on. Um, I do really appreciate the three points that you put in every letter. I mean, beginning to end, it's valuable. But usually as it relates to the market, you've got a positive note, a negative note, an ambiguous note. Something in the market which, eh, it's just it's difficult to say where this one's going. If you said, you know, n not as it applies to the market as it traded today, but if you said 2021, 2022... What's your positive note? What's your negative note? What's your ambiguous note? Well, for 22 and 22, it hasn't collapsed. This is the most positive thing. This thing hasn't collapsed yet. And there, there's, there's enough stuff here that could make it all come down real hard. So that's what's positive, is you've lived another day. You know, that, that's what this is. The negatives, there's just too many to list. You know, we talked about all of them. It's just over the transom. And in a way, that's the positive, is with all these negatives, it hasn't gone down. But we all know why it's gone, it hasn't. It's because they're just throwing so much money at it. I mean, look at the trillions. Of, and it's not just what the Fed's pumping. It's a, look at what was spent in the last 18 months from the federal government. It's ridiculous. Bail out airlines, bail out all these people, and they still fire people. Giving money to uh, Kennedy Center Performing Arts or whatever these people were giving money to. You know, all the, all the different pet organizations or projects. It's ridiculous. No, no wonder teachers didn't want to go in and work there, but you're getting paid to stay home. It was and, and we saw this where people were making more money because they had the enhanced benefits than their jobs. It was unbelievable. I know journalists for many years, you know, got, got let go, and yet he couldn't believe how much he was making. Just filing. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous sitting at home making that kind of money. So the positive and negative, what do you throw in the ambiguous category? Well, the ambiguous is really the political leadership here. That's what's ambiguous is who's going to take control. Is it going to be good or bad? I mean, that's, that's what you don't know here. It used to be, oh, the market liked uh, divided government. That, that's garbage. That's just nonsense talk. You're throwing all this money in, in, you know, the Democrats threw in here. It worked for a while. But the problem is what happens next? So, you know, if you think of what's ambiguous in here, it is the role of the Fed and the government, all this fiscal monetary policy. You know, is it ending? That's what we don't know. Are they really going to end it? Are they really going to slow it down? You know, Powell tried to do this in the fourth quarter of 2018, right in front of the election that really ended up blowing up the Republicans, lost control of Congress. So, so much for the Fed. There used to be a rule. You don't do any changes in monetary policy six months in front of an election. He did it right into it. He did it in the election. The, the market fell 20. I mean, if you go look at historically what happens to politicians when the market goes down big, <laughs> the incumbents lose. And he did it. But now they want to do anything. So they know they've got a problem because the 2022 is coming up here. That's why he's better start talking taper and start doing it now. The Democrats will go out of their minds if he starts trying to do this in the summer. And by then, if inflation is out of control, they're going to be mad at him anyway. And he's going to take the hit anyway. So I think the best thing right now would be is if Powell figured out that Biden's not likely to renominate him. He does what's right, not what's politically correct. And that has a market consequence to tighten the credit markets at all. Um, he, he got a lot of people buying call options. Maybe they should consider the other side of the trade. Well, that's what see. That will get interesting. If you ever send these people going the other way, what's that, the pressure that's going to put on that downside? Can you imagine those kinds of volumes? That's what I'm saying. It's one thing you talk about, oh, the elephants grazing the grass and that. Well, you know what's worse? Locusts. I mean, that's why Lenin's, you know, was it Lenin said we're going to unleash the locusts of revolution. He didn't say the T-Rexes or the elephants. It's the locusts. Because that's the hardest thing to control. And that's what they're finding out now in the market. They unleashed all these locusts on the uh, option market and the meme, you know, the meme stocks, whatever. And you know what? It always looks great when it's going up. But, you know, it goes the other way. And when it goes the other way, oh, my God. Good luck trying to sell something if you've got all these people with cell phones trying to unload at the same time. They don't even have to call their broker. Just, I'm shooting orders to the market. See, that, used to, that was the circuit break before. Is orders got congregated. There was only a few avenues to get them in the New York Stock Exchange or in the over-the-counter market. Now, you don't have to call your broker. Before you, how many phone calls could a broker handle? If he's got 200 customers, they're calling in to sell. How many can he talk to at a time? even if he has an assistant. And that was the part of the market breakers end up. Now, you don't need that. You just zip the order right down there. That's why this, these moves get so explosive at times. And again, wait till this stuff goes on the downside. It's going to be unbelievable. That's what Leon Cooperman was talking about to some degree the other day. Don't be surprised when it goes, when it breaks, it's going to break hard. Oh, you can't even fathom. Can't even fathom. How this, see, 87, I always tell people, yeah, it was down 508. Everybody goes, oh, it was down 508. And I said, no. The real number was down 750 to 800 because that's where the futures and the options were trading. But they couldn't put the stocks in line where the futures were trading. But that was the real number. Now, if you would have been showing it's down 750 instead of 800, it would be unfathomable. I mean, that's why they were so scared the next day because where the futures and options were trading, it was much worse. In addition, and I was 
running trading desk in New York at the time, major brokerage, you couldn't get brokers to pick up your phone. You couldn't get the $2 guys on the floor. You couldn't get over-the-counter guys to pick up. You heard customers were complaining. Oh, we called for that. We couldn't pick. They couldn't pick up because the old communication system was the circuit breaker. And that's my point now. Now, just hit the button to sell. You don't need to pick up your broker. You don't need to get a broker. And then your broker calls the trading desk. And then the trading desk calls the trader on the floor. Those three or four lines of communications, they all shut down in 87. Otherwise, I can't even fathom how much the market would have been down. You just couldn't do transactions. Now, zip it right to the floor. No telling what's going to happen. I mean, it's not actually the floor. You just zip it right to the computers. That's what's lurking out there. About every three or four months, there's a tension in the market where it goes unresolved and you can tell that something's building. And usually somewhere in your letter, your caution antenna is way high. And you'll say something like, just be careful. If you don't have to play, don't. And um, <laughs> it sounds like you're, the antenna is somewhat up. Oh, it's up huge here. What gets you through crisis is when you look and you have leadership. If you have a Paul Volcker at the Fed or you can say a Reagan in the White House or whatever, something's going to get you through this. And even if you don't have those guys, you know, if you look into the, the first Gulf War, for 15, 20 years, America, you know, the media just slandered the U.S. military. But in that Gulf War, and of course they had new tools, they put those generals, Schwarzkopf and some of these other guys out, and they were whatever. And people were stunned. Then they saw, these guys had degrees from Princeton, you know, advanced degrees. West Point, they had advanced degrees, masters or doctorates in war college, and they were explaining stuff, and they were going, oh my gosh. And then you found out these guys were lieutenants and, and captains in Vietnam, and they, and they were vowed they're never going to allow that to happen again. There was incredible leadership. It's gone. Obama threw out all the hard-nosed guys, brought in 200. So that's why you got what you're going on here. Anybody wasn't loyal, you don't get promoted. You're gone. Threw them out. And Trump never moved to fix that. Now you can complain. He hired Milley. He, he brought in Mattis. He brought in McMasters. He brought in, uh, oh, my gosh, I can't picture a guy was from Boston. Um, it was his chief of staff, Kelly, that undermined him. They're all Democrats. <laughs> the reason he was unsuccessful is he didn't know what he was doing as far as bringing in the people. One guy can't do it. It's all the people around him. And that's what I'm talking with the leadership. You see what's going on here. You saw what going on, went on in Afghanistan. And that's not just on Biden, on that. Look at the people. that They didn't know what they were doing. Well, there was the Department of Defense, the top generals, the uh, State Department, HHS. What's going on here? What's going, you just don't have this. You don't have the people, serious people that came through, whether it was World War II or Korea War or Vietnam or whatever. You got the people in here now. It's, oh, my gosh. And that's what I'm talking about, the leadership. When it starts falling apart, where are you going to fall? Who's going to stand up? Who's going to be the leaders? Who's going to pull this thing together? And I don't see them at the Fed right now. I don't see Yellen being that anybody's going to inspire confidence at Treasury. You know, you can go right through the whole list. So that's going to be the challenge. What's your leadership? You going to run Joe Biden out to read a teleprompter? Kamala Harris, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Well, again, appreciate you sharing what's on your mind. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to the McIlvaney Weekly Commentary. I'm Kevin Oreck along with David McIlvaney and our guest today, Bill King. You can find us at McIlvaney.com, M-C-A-L-V-A-N-Y.com. And you can call us at 800-525-9556. This has been the McIlvaney Weekly Commentary. The views expressed should not be considered to be a solicitation or a recommendation for your investment portfolio. You should consult a professional financial advisor to assess your suitability for risk and investment. Join us again next week for a new edition of the McIlvaney Weekly Commentary.